Amen. Thank you, Cody. If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the last book in the Bible. We are continuing our journey through the series that we have entitled, I have entitled, The End. And we find ourselves in chapter 2 of Revelation looking at the specific church, the church at Thyatira. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, the verses will be on the screen as I read for us not only the church at Thyatira, but the one right before it, the church at Pergamum that we saw a couple of weeks ago. So uh, let's read what is found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, down through the end of the chapter. John records these words, And to the angel of the church at Pergamum write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. You didn't deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a, white, and a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, faith, and service, patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her in onto a sickbed. Those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead." And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, do not, I do not lay on you another burden. Only hold fast what you have, what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the spirit says 
to the churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you and I ask that you would speak, that you would speak this truth, your truth, to this, your church, this morning. God, allow us to see you, allow us to see the word that you had for Thyatira and Father, the word that you have for us here at River Bend this morning. God, use me, allow the words that I say. Lord, allow them to be your words and not me speaking, but Father, you speaking through me. And Father, this church, individual and also corporate, those of us that are in these seats, in this room, Father, would you apply this these words, this word to our lives, draw us back to you. For Father, so often, this week, the past couple of weeks, the past month or two months, as I have been looking at these letters to these churches, Father Thyatira seems a lot like River Bend, or River Bend a lot like Thyatira. Father, would you show us that, and would you draw us to yourself? Give us ears to hear, and feet to apply your word this morning. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Four points this morning. As we look at the letter to the church at Thyatira, what I have thought of is this church being a church of tolerance, a, a church that was somewhat divided, a church that was not singular focused on its mission as a whole. Four points. The first is this, Jesus sees all. This goes back to the attributes of who Christ is. Christ is the central character of all of Scripture. He is the central character of all of this book. And we saw in Revelation chapter 1, we laid that out for you a few weeks ago, that He is King Jesus. And to all of these seven churches, He has given at least one singular attribute to remind them. The, the people at Thyatira knew they did. They, they knew that Jesus was king, but they needed to be reminded. So therefore, he writes to them and he says, Hey, to the angel of the church at Thyatira, say this or write this. This is coming from the one, uh, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. They knew exactly who he was. When they were reminded of this, they knew exactly who he was. And you and I know that he's king. We know that he's king, we know that he's ruling and reigning, but you and I, just like the church at Thyatira, just like the church at Ephesus, at Pergamum, at Sardis, at Philadelphia, at Laodicea, and at Smyrna, we must to be reminded. 
to the church at Ephesus, he writes, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven lampstands, to the church at Smyrna, he is the, the words of the first and the last, who died and came back to life, to the, words, to the church at Pergamum, he is the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword, we just saw that of Thyatira, of Sardis, it's the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, to Philadelphia, it's the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one opens and to the church at Laodicea the words of the amen the faithful and the true witness the attribute that Christ is giving to this church to the church at Thyatira to remind them is this hey my eyes see everything and you and I need to understand that we need to be reminded of that that he sees every single thing that goes on in our lives. The attribute that he gives here is that he sees everything. You know, when guests come over to the Tillman home, a couple of things happen. One page goes and she is just running through the house. All right, I got to clean. 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 And she cleans. And, and she does. Like Tuesday nights when Connect Group comes over to the, our house on Tuesday evenings, we clean. What do we clean? We clean every place that people are going to see. We do. There's a bar all around the kitchen, and it usually has mail from 14 weeks, and there's a, a basket that is there that catches everything that I don't want to throw away. It catches that, and there is a newspaper. There is a cereal box from who knows when. It's all there on that counter. But guess what? Tuesday night, that thing is spick and clean. The coffee table has magazines on it. The coffee table has all kind of junk. The end table has cups or whatever. But Tuesday night, everything is clean. Why? Because people are going to come into our house. They're our guests. And what do we do? We want to show them, hey, this is clean. But also, there's a door that is closed that nobody's going to go into. And all that stuff that's on the countertop, all the other stuff or all the other junk is placed in there. Guess what? Jesus sees the clean room, but he also sees the junk room. He sees the things that you and I want other people to see. He sees how we've cleaned up this area or that area of our life, but he also sees what we try to put under lock and key. Thyatira, know this, Jesus sees all. River Bend, Jesus sees all. In him seeing all, he sees things that he is going to praise Thyatira about, and he also sees things that he is going to warn them about. You and I today must be reminded, we need to be reminded that Jesus sees every aspect of our lives. Sir, He sees you trying to find relief and rescue in that bottle. Ma'am, ma it may be that you are the one who is trying to find relief and rescue from that glass. 
Ma'am, he sees you running to that novel, that's fiction, and living there, living out your fantasies, wanting it to be your real life. Sir, he sees you sitting at that screen and scrolling through those pics, scrolling through that website, those screens, those clips that no one ever needs to see. He sees you and he sees me sitting in our recliners hour after hour, night after night, looking at a TV screen. He sees it all. But at the same time, not only does he see us vegging out or doing the things that we don't want anybody to see us do, but he sees the good as well. He sees the works. He sees the love. He sees the service. He sees the patient enduring of suffering there at Thyatira, here at Riverbend, in the culture that you and I live in. He sees all of those things as well. He sees your work. Even when it's not acknowledged, He sees your work. Children workers. I asked uh, Brian for a list of, of all the children's workers. He sees your work. Nicole, Madison, Kinsley Caps, Tina Osborne, Camden, and Melissa Woods, Hannah Barnhill, Whitney Taylor, Amber Ginn, Jan Clark, Jennifer McGinnis, Shannon Hollingsworth, Kim Ford, Martha Liston, Rebecca Felder, Tabby Roberts, Debbie Stewart, Randy and Susan Grant, Kira Warren, Karen Franklin, Valerie Kimbrell, Monica Hansen, Paige Tillman, Brian and Kimberly Riley, Liz Slay, Laura Bourne, Brandon Ellie, and Mary Beth Potts. Karen Marshawn, he sees your work each and every Sunday of every month. Your work back there with the kids. He sees that even if this platform doesn't acknowledge it, even if we as a church don't acknowledge it, he sees it. But thank you. Connect leaders, he sees every single week the time that you put into That lesson, the time that you spend as you are searching Scripture, as you're looking at those questions, as you're looking to say, all right, how can I apply this to this person or that person? How can I help? He sees it. Thank you. Youth workers, cooks, those who reach out to those that we with calls or write letters to. Thank you. Jesus sees your heart right now. And as he sees you, he sees if if you're the person who is there is uh, laying down some cinder blocks and walling up your life and saying, all right, I know this is going to be a tough one. And you know what? It might be a tough sermon. It's been a tough sermon for me. But he also sees those of us who are here today, not like building up a wall, but having that heart of tenderness And in His kindness, He is desiring and leading and wanting you to come back to Him in repentance. He sees all of this. But not only does He see all of this, Jesus does not overlook anything. He doesn't overlook anything. If you read this letter to the church at Thyatira, and let me just read a couple of uh, verses for you. Verse number 19, it states this, I know your works. 
Hey, Thyatira, I know your works. I know your love. I know your faith. I know your service. I know your patient endurance. And I also know this, that your latter works, what's happening right now with you, is exceeding what happened with you at first. That's good stuff, folks. I mean, Jesus is praising his church at Thyatira. Why? Because of all the works that they were doing, of all their service, of all their love for him, of all their love for others, of all their uh, patient endurance as suffering was coming about. He says, I am praising you for this. And what's even better than that? You're doing more now. You have more love for me. You have more. You're patiently enduring even more now than you did at first. Great. But here's the difference between you and me and and Christ. If it's you or me, we have the the, uh, possibility in us to say, you know, all that great stuff that's going on, let's just overlook what he says next. Let's just overlook that little bad stuff. He's, he's about to say a couple of bad things. But, man, they have done so much good. They are doing so much better now than they were even at the first. Let's just overlook it. He just said, I'm not going to overlook anything. I'm not going to overlook anything. He knows your works. He knows your love. He knows your faith. He knows your service. That's what he says to the church. But he also says this. He also says, I have this against you, verse 20. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Jesus speaks of this woman, Jezebel. Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, the king of Israel, in the days of Elijah. Jezebel threw her weight around at the house, her being queen, which meant she threw her weight around all of Israel during the days of Elijah. And what she did was, not only did she tolerate the prophets of Baal, and the prophets of the Asherah, but she also funded them and accelerated the false worship throughout all of Israel to that of Baal and that of the Asherah, which were the male and female false deities or false gods of fertility. And let your mind just wander a little bit about that practice. And it was out in the open and it was blatant. And it was not only seen by Israel, but it was also, hey, let's go be a part of this. And they were pushed, the children of Israel were pushed into that. And it speaks of it here as of sexual immorality and also the eating of food that was offered to these false gods. Jesus said, I'm not going to overlook it. You know, as I was reading this and I was thinking about it, it's kind of like, Sometimes you might have a headache. And instead of just going over to the cabinet and pulling out two ibuprofen or four ibuprofen or 14 ibuprofen to take care of that little headache, you and I will just continue on about our day. You said, I'm not going to let you do that. Let's think about it spiritually. Thyatira was his church. 
Thyatira was a church that he bled and died for, that he paid the price for, that he paid their debt on the cross at Calvary. And he could have said, as the one who did that, hey, I will let you be a half-hearted church, or I will let you be of half-strength. I will let you go along with a headache spiritually to where you won't be blessed all that you could be blessed. You won't be the salt and light in that town, in that city that you could be. But he said, you know, I'm not going to overlook anything. I won't do it. You're too precious to me. So therefore, let's look at this. The woman Jezebel, who says she's a prophetess, who stands up and proclaims, and she leads people to sexual immorality. She leads people to eating of food that has been worshipped before an idol. And she's leading the church, she's leading the city, she's leading men and women away from the Father. I will not let you just ease on down the road and not deal with that. Sexual immorality was prevalent in the day of Thyatira. Sexual immorality was not only prevalent there, but she tolerated it and she let out in it here in Thyatira. It's happening in the church. The culture was such that pretty much anything goes. And the church, the one that Jesus died for, the same rules for the culture was happening around it and in it. Adultery and on sexual immorality. and This stuck out to me what the author stated. The author says this, We don't fall into immorality. We walk into it. Indeed, sometimes we run headlong into it. We must realize from the beginning that immorality is a choice. It is not something that happens to people. It is something that people make happen. Jesus was saying to the people at Thyatira, Hey, this lady is making this happen in your church. This Lady is making all these things happen and you are tolerating her. I have that against you. Sir, what is it in your life right now that you're tolerating? What are you tolerating right now? Ma'am, what is it that's in your life That you are allowing just to stay in one little partition. So you think. But in actuality is eating away. Eroding the foundation that you're standing on. What is it that he's saying to you repent from? need to stop right here and I just need to stand halfway center and say, you know what, I need to confess something to you. You know, two years ago, a little over two years ago, um, as I was praying for River Bend and thinking about all the things that we should be about, all the things that needed to take place for us to grow and for us to mature, I had, I had the thought 
over and over again. It wasn't just one day. It was over and over again. It was eating at me that, you know, I need to bring somebody in to help out with this, to, to help show us overarching where the ministry areas are, where the gaps are in those areas, where the, the gap is, how to close that back door, how to um, be the salt and light that we need to be to help with the staff. And I, I even took it to the uh, leadership team a couple years ago and kind of just left it there for one of a couple of reasons. I left it there, number one, trying somewhat to say, all right, responsibility's there now. Hey, I said it. I, I brought it up. Y'all want to do it? Great. This is something I think we need to do. And then I just left it there. Somewhat because I personally knew there were areas in my life that if we brought somebody in, I was about to get challenged. Oh, man. Which leads to this. You know, last month we had a uh, recharge Wednesday night service. We had food and at the end of that we had a family meeting and we stated at at that time that we were bringing somebody on, bringing Wade Stillman on as a contract time period for three months to help out in those areas. I had been speaking with the leadership team for a number of days, a number of weeks, and we had been thinking about that, and I brought it back to their attention, and I said, you know what, if somebody is going to bring some corrective criticism to me, to us, I would rather it be somebody that I know and I trust than somebody that's just out there that I never heard of except, hey, here's somebody that I think would do that. So we did that. And in doing that, It has been brought to my attention afresh and anew. I stand here and I say this. I confess to you, church. I confess that I have not challenged you. I haven't challenged you as a church to be salt and light as we need to be challenged. I have not stood and commanded, thus says the Lord. It's not me saying it, but here's what God says. You shall be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the end of the age. You and I are to stand and proclaim with words to those in our family. To those that we're neighbors with. To those that we're co-workers with. To strangers even. The greatness of our God. You know, there have been weeks, possibly even months, where that has not been rallied around. And over the past couple of weeks, the question that I ask myself is, what is it that he's saying to you, Brian? Repent. And so I stand and I confess and I can repent. To him and I repent to you. But what is he saying to you? River Bend. He is a loving and caring father. He has your best. He has my best. He has our best. But we must trust him. And when he points something out in you or he points something out in me, he wants you and me to deal with it. And you've got to deal with it. I've got to deal with it on his terms. He won't bless us indeed until we are blessable. 
which means that He won't give us the very best if we're not willing to come clean with Him and to trust Him. A third point this morning is this. If you look at this passage, he states to Jezebel, that woman, and he states to all those that are following after her, he said, I gave them time to repent. Jesus gives you time to repent. You have air in your lungs right now. Repent. He gives you time. God is not in heaven ready to point this finger, his finger, on you and zap you with a lightning bolt when you do something wrong. He's not there. That's not what he is doing. That's not what he intends to do. That's not what he wants to do. That's not what he does to his children. Does he bring discipline? Yes, he does. But he's not there ready to zap you, zap me every single time that we rebel. Think about it this way. To the church at Thyatira, they tolerated this woman Jezebel. She was in their midst every single week, every single day she was there. They knew she was there and they might have just pushed her over to the corner, but she was still in the rooms. They, they might have had a front and center. I don't, I don't know all of that. We don't know all of that, but we know that she's in the church and they were tolerating her. But it wasn't that Jesus was just coming down with a fist and said, get her out. No, he gave her time to repent. He's not there doing the same with you. You know what? He whispers to you when you are disobeying. He talks to you when you're disobeying. The problem is when you and I are disobeying, we don't listen to the whisper. We don't listen to Him talking. It takes, for most of us, it takes that moment where it is utter right there in front of our face, not two inches off of our nose before we see it. It wasn't when you were 50 plus thousand dollars in debt that Jesus started speaking of the hazards of being in debt. No, you just weren't listening. It wasn't when it came to the point where these words came out of your mouth that I did not mean to hurt you that He was bringing you back to Himself. I didn't want to go this far with her. I didn't want to go this far with Him. I didn't want that to happen. I didn't mean to lie. I didn't mean to steal. I didn't mean to slander. I didn't mean to commit adultery. I did not mean to disobey. That all those things came about before He was bringing you back to repentance. No, He was bringing you back to repentance even before those things came about in your lives. You and I just were not paying attention. He gives you and He gives me time to come back. Because of our disobedience, we wouldn't listen until we were over the cliff. We wouldn't listen until we were hanging on to the edge of the cliff, possibly by our fingertips. But Jesus is giving you this morning the opportunity to come back to Him. Would you come? Would you come? He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to us as a church. Come back to 
me. The invitation is for you. I close with the last few words of this letter. Verse 26, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will give him the person who conquers, the person that keeps to the end, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus rewards his children who obey. He rewarded the people in Thyatira. He rewards you and he rewards me for our obedience. Now you've got to... Make sure that you get this and you get your arms around this to understand. You and I don't obey Him for that reward. If that is the case, our motive is wrong and therefore we receive our reward. Look back in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to jot that down, verses 1 down through verse 19 or 20, there are three disciplines, three aspects to the Christian life that Jesus says you and I, His followers, are to be about, and they are this. In verses 1 through 5, it is giving. He says, you give. Don't, don't give, like go out on there and let everybody see, hey, I'm giving $100, you've got your reward. But you give in secret, and your Father who sees you give in secret, He will reward you. Hey, Pray. Don't stand on the street corner like the Pharisees did. Don't call attention to yourself. No, go inside your closet. Go inside your room. Shut your door and you pray. And when you pray in secret, your Father will see what you do in secret and He will reward you. And the final one is that of fasting. He said, when you fast, don't fast. Don't, don't put all kinds of... Uh, don't make your facial expression such. Don't make your personal uh, appearance such that people, man, something's wrong with that guy. I tell you what, Ooh, he must be fasting. How long have you been fasting? Since breakfast. It's 1030. You know, don't do that. But, but he says, you fast in secret. When you do it, adorn your head. Don't draw any attention to yourself. Make it look like a normal day. And when you do that, your father will see what you're doing. And he will reward you. Jesus rewards his children for their obedience. You don't do it for the reward. You do it because you love him. What is the reward here? The reward here is twofold. I will give authority to you and I will give you the morning star. I will give authority to you. You will be there with me when I am ruling and reigning. I am in you. You are in me. And therefore, when I rule and reign, you will rule and reign. You will rule and reign with a rod of iron. You will rule and reign over the nations. And there will be a day as we will look at this unfold throughout this great book of Revelation. We will see days upon days where He is ruling and reigning, where we will rule and reign as well. And he says this, I will give you, here's a reward, I will give you the morning star. What in the world is that? 
you look over in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, or you look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, you look in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, you look in other places, Christ is that star. What does he say? Here's the reward. The best thing that I could ever give you is myself. I will give him. The Father says through the Son to you and to me. Sir, the invitation for you this morning. Ma'am, the invitation for you. Church, the invitation for us is this. Do we believe him? He sees all. He's not going to overlook anything. He's going to give you time to repent. He is doing that right now. Will you come? That you might obey and you might receive from him the blessing. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, it is you and you alone that is the audience today of our worship. God, might we, your people, lay our lives on the altar, living sacrifices that you might use us today that you might use us this week Father the comfort zone might be expanded because we desire more to be where you desire us to be than maybe where the acquaintance boundary might be the co-worker boundary might be even the family, the friend boundary. God, we desire to be in union with you more than in union with our fellow man or woman. And we desire to be obedient. Oh God, would you put in our hearts this moment forward, we are coming back to you. Not just because we might have gotten caught, but Father, because... We love you more than the activity that we got caught doing. We love you more than the desires of this world. Maybe you need to come this morning to the altar and bend the knee physically along with bending the knee spiritually. Maybe you need to come to the altar and confess. The invitation is open for you. Would you obey? Let's stand and let's sing.